0: welcome to an impact ministries production brought to you by impact ministries world changers changing the way the world sees god learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com now here's your host founder of impact ministries and developer of heart physics the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world dr jim richards Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact Cyber Church. We are talking about what is some of the most important truth that you could ever, ever, ever hope to hear. We're talking about three days that change the world. We're talking about what happened from the cross of Christ to the resurrection of Christ to the to the ascension to Him sitting at the right hand of God and receiving inheritance. I'm, I'm telling you, this is the most crucial aspect. Of, of living by faith that, that, you, that you could ever want to know, that you'd ever want to participate in. You know, and I've said this all through this, we have to remember that all of the things that give us victory, all the victories that we have as believers are only the victories that Jesus won through his death, burial, and resurrection. In other words, everything that he suffered on the cross he delivered us from those sufferings. Uh, uh, he became the curse for us so that we don't have to be the curse. So we're delivered from the curse of the law. And everything that he went through in the grave was, was, were, were battles that he won that we don't have to fight. And everything that he conquered through his resurrection, we share in those victories with him. And so we, our faith in what we have as believers is not so much rooted in what he accomplished, what he showed us. Now see, Jesus showed us the perfect image of God while he walked planet Earth. Jesus showed us the perfect image of a believer filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, there's all kinds of incredible things that we get from his, from his life, from his ministry. But ultimately, faith for salvation And all of the aspects of salvation, which remember, salvation is saved, healed, delivered, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart. is everything that is involved in this life of God that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so every part of salvation is based on what he accomplished on the cross, in the grave, and through the resurrection. And sadly, most people, when they're attempting to operate faith... Even for the new birth, sometimes they they actually do not center their faith in in the cross and by the cross. I mean the death, burial, and resurrection. And so the problem is they don't. You know the message of the cross. Paul said he said the reason that that his gospel was based on on the cross. Was it because the cross was the power of God? He said, "He said I don't want you having your faith in the wisdom of men. I'm not trying to give you some crafty, cool message. I'm giving you the cross because if you if you believe in what Jesus accomplished on the cross—the death, burial, the resurrection—then you will have the power of the resurrection. You'll have the power of of what happened through the resurrection working in your life. You know, some, sometimes I've just had to ask people questions. You know." They would be believing the right thing. They'd be believing uh, the truth. They're, they're fighting for a healing. And I might say, okay, uh, give, give me a scripture that, that tells you that physical healing is yours. And sadly, many people that are trying to believe for a healing don't even have a scripture that they go directly to and say, okay... Uh, you know this is my basis for this, and so so. But there's there's some that you'll talk to that actually have a scripture. But then my next question is this: uh, is, is this all right? So where in the death, burial, and resurrection does this scripture become a reality? In other words, what 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 do you believe about the death, burial, and resurrection that makes this scripture true? That is your basis for faith, and I have found with, with most of the believers that I've talked to over the last 45 years, when you start asking them questions about the specifics, not just do you believe God raised Jesus from the dead, but when you start asking people about the specifics of what is theirs based on some aspect of the death, burial, and resurrection, the honest truth is very few people have one scripture. Very few people have one thing that they can say. This is what happened in the resurrection. So this is why I, I know this is true. Now, last week we started talking to you about, about uh, resurrection uh, life. and And, you know, re- resurrection life is the quality of life or the power of life that we have as a result of Jesus being raised from the dead. And... You know, we talked about a lot of this last week, but I'm going to, we're going to kind of go into some review because there were, there were some of it that we actually didn't get into as much as I wanted to get into. But, you know, we, we, we talked about Ephesians where Paul, you know, talked about, you know, how he's praying for people and he's praying that God will give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him and that their eyes will be open or their understanding will be open and enlightened, that they will know three things. What is the hope of his calling? Number two what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? And then number three, and this is where it gets really, really interesting. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His own right hand in heavenly places? So this is where Paul clearly defines what resurrection power really is. Resurrection power, the power that's working us. You know, today, people uh, people argue about uh, terminology, and terminology can be important. Language is incredibly important, but sometimes... Uh, we put our faith in our terminology and rather than, uh, rather than the truth upon which all that terminology is based. You know, for example, you know, we're living in a day when people talk a lot about the grace of God and grace of God we know is the power of God, the strength of God, the capacity of God. Well, you know, in, in the old days, people really referred to that more as just the power of the Holy Spirit. And so many people think, well, because I'm using you know, because I'm using the right terminology of the grace of God and power of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's, not, really, that's not really how it should be. Well, the real truth is uh, there's, it's kind of it's synonymous. And likewise, resurrection power and grace... And the power of the Holy Spirit are really synonymous. Each one of them focuses on a different aspect of that power, a different aspect of how that power works, but they're all actually talking about the same thing. The power that works in us, the grace of God that makes us capable, the Holy Spirit who brings that power, the power that is being brought to us is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and seated him at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. Now, that by itself is is incredibly significant. You know, the fact that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and the fact that we are in him, this tells us that um, that I too am seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father. This tells me that because I'm in Jesus, I have... Face-to-face access with the Father through Him. This tells me that the way is open. This tell you know. This tells me all kinds of things about my access to the Father, about uh, about being seated with Him in heavenly places, about about the inheritance that's, that's given to me, and so there, there's all kinds of incredible factors. But I'm going to zero in on on a couple of factors about resurrection power that honestly, uh, not. I don't think much of the church really, really believes. I'm I'm not being critical. I'm just saying it's just not a a particular aspect that that we tend to believe. You know, in, in verse 21, when he's talking about this power that works in us, and he's saying that the power that's working in you right now is the same power that worked in Jesus when God raised him from the dead. But in verse 21, it goes on to say, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, <clears throat> when Jesus was, was in the grave, and we talked about this battle that he went through in the grave. And, the, and, and here was the battle. The battle was... Even though Jesus had not sinned and and you know as as far as we know his 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 heart was still righteous, but yet because he became sin, then that meant mentally and emotional emotionally he had the same struggles that we would have uh with our with our mind uh all of these all of these um circumstances, all of these things flooded against him. The fact that he was alienated from God, the fact that he was in the grave, the fact that he was bound by our sin. Now stop and think about it. Jesus was bound in the grave by your sin. That means that he had to conquer or break the power of your sin not just sin in general even though that's part of it but specifically the sins the temptations that you struggle with and that you give into jesus became that sin and then had to conquer that sin now if the power that was working in jesus as he was using his faith as he was believing god uh, that that he was righteous, as God said he was, the power of righteousness that manifests in Jesus to conquer that particular sin or those particular sins is the power that's in you, which means the power for you to conquer your sin is already at work inside you. It's not like you've got to muster up the strength on your own. It's not like you've got to figure out how to do this. You know, I can remember... a. Uh, one of these ear, one of these earmark realities that, that came to pass. And I was reading the book of Romans and, and Roman and, and Paul was talking about our victory over sin, how that sin has no dominion over us. And in some, one translation it says that sin cannot exercise lordship over us. So, so I'm reading this in the book of Romans, and then you come to the scripture in the book of Romans uh, uh, where it says. Uh, by the way, I think that was Romans six fourteen, where it says sin has no dominion. Over you. But so so then you read on, and it says it says uh, and reckon yourselves or consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Now, the power that worked in Jesus to conquer my sin. Now remember. If he did not conquer my sin, then he could not come out of the grave. If he did not conquer your sin, he could not come out of the grave. He was held in death by our sin. You see, he broke the power of sin and death. And so the power that went to work in him because of his faith, because he believed the truth, that power, it's like Samson. You know, Samson was a type of Jesus being resurrected. You know, Samson, uh, uh, his hair was cut. He lost his glory, top of Jesus becoming sin. Samson's eyes were gouged out. Again, a, a, an aspect of, of Jesus becoming sin and being alienated from the Father. And Samson, you know, he had, he had chains wrapped about him, and he was you know, he was put in the slave house. Now, many people think that Satan, by the way, was in hell tormenting Jesus. That's not true. That is not scriptural. Satan has not been to hell yet. Uh, He's trying to stay away from there. He's he's not the prince of hell. He he will be the ultimate prisoner of hell. So so all of that is just kind of religious nonsense. But, But Jesus is bound in death, and he's bound in the part of the grave where the wicked go. Those alienated from God, not not where the righteous, not, not, he didn't go to the bosom of Abraham. He, he went to the part of death where people separated from God would have to go because that was the ultimate price that would be paid for our sin. And so he's believing the truth. He's believing that everything God said about him is true. And based on what we know scripturally, he's confessing it. He's acknowledging it. He's saying it out loud. He is, he is, speaking forth his confession. Now, you know, confession back in the 80s and 90s got a bad rap like so many things because our concept of confession was just, it was legalistic, ritualistic, uh, and, and and mystic and had n- not much basis in in the New Testament. You know, the, the word confess means to say the same thing. That's the simplest concept of it. But the word confess also means uh, to to accept a promise to accept the terms of an agreement and really to express an expression of thanksgiving for that agreement. I mean, all of that gets into what the word confess literally means. Jesus was in the grave embracing the promise that God has made to him as being true. He was in, he was in alienated from God saying, saying, I, you know, uh, I, I I am being raised up. I am the King of righteousness. Uh, the the throne of my kingdom is, is you know is is the, the throne of righteousness and, and and you know he's acknowledging all of these things about about himself. I, you know I will be raised up. My enemies will be made to be my footstool, and so he's saying all this. He's acknowledging all this. Now biblically, and we won't have time to go into this in great detail, but biblically what he was doing was he was persuading his heart. He was keeping his heart stable uh, in the face of all of this opposition, in the face of all of this that that had come against him. And that's our model of what we do as believers. When everything around us goes wrong everything starts falling apart, we have to persuade our heart and keep our heart stable, lest we do that thing that the Bible warns us against, and that is lest we fail to stand fast until the end. You know, there's this thing the Bible calls vain faith. Vain faith is where you really have faith, but you have faith in vain because you don't have faith all the way to the end. You don't have faith all the way to receiving the promise that, that you're believing for. You know, Abraham was 75 years old when God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees, and he makes this journey and see, he didn't believe everything completely in the very beginning. He didn't, he he didn't, believe every aspect of what God told him about the promises but what he did do is he acted on what he did believe and he took steps and in, in what he did believe and he made missteps all along the way but you know God's always there giving you course correction as long as you're as long as you're embracing holding on to uh, uh, acknowledging what is yours that you have faith for then you will be ready to take the next step but interesting with Abraham you know and I'm not going to go through all of Abraham's missteps, we talk about that in other series, but finally, Isaac is born. The child of promise is born by his wife Sarah, and when Isaac is about seventeen years old, Abraham takes him up on uh, on the mountain uh, to sacrifice him. Because Abraham had finally come to the place that he was so sure, so immovable about God's promise that he knew that even if he sacrificed Isaac, that God would have to raise him from the dead. Man, that's what you call unshakable faith. That's what you call being fully persuaded. And that's what the book of Romans says about Abraham. It says being fully persuaded. He did not consider all of these other things. Instead, he considered the promise of God. Well, you know, stop and think about it. Uh, So if he was 75, Isaac was born when he was, I think, 100. So that's 25 years. Isaac then was was 17 years old. So that's 35. That's 42 years of a journey of persuading his heart before he got to the place where he was immovable and he could actually embrace what God had promised him. Well, Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights. And it... And we don't know how how much of that three days and three nights, you you know, many people believe that Jesus just went immediately to go be with the Father, or that he went immediately to the bosom of Abraham. No, that is not what the scripture says. That's not even what Jesus said. We don't know how much of those three days and three nights was him fighting this battle to overcome all of the circumstances and all the overwhelming emotions. See, when the Bible says he was tempted every way, like as we are, that's not just what happened to him on earth. That's what happened to him in the grave. And, and, and the book of Jonah, the second chapter, gives us these incredibly emotional pictures of of the struggle that Jesus was going through. And, and at some point, Jesus established his heart fully to overcome all of these circumstances to not have any wavering whatsoever in him, and at the moment that that happened, the power of righteousness exploded into him. The power of righteousness um, raised him up, just like Samson broke those chains off of him because his hair grew back, his glory came back. He broke those chains off of him, and he he destroyed that pagan temple. That's exactly what Jesus did. You know, it says of Samson, they destroyed more in his death than he did in his life. I got. News for you: uh, 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 When Jesus was walking the planet Earth, you know, he just cast out a few dozen demons. I got news for you: When Jesus came up out of the grave, he destroyed the entire kingdom of darkness. So Jesus is raised up, and he faces, if you will, and fights and wins every single battle that every human being has ever had. And every battle that any human being will ever have, that's why we are more than conquerors because we didn't even have to fight that battle. We only share in the victory of that battle. So Jesus had to conquer everything, and because of the fact that you are in him and he's in you, you are now part of the resurrection, and that resurrection power is in you for everything that you face. It doesn't matter if it's sickness, disease. Remember, in a certain sense, you could say Jesus died of your disease. What if your disease is? If you got cancer, if you got, you know, if you got TB, um, if you're blind, if you're crippled, or whatever, G- that killed Jesus because he suffered it to the ultimate, to the fullest. In the book of Isaiah, the 53rd chapter tells us that that he took upon himself all physical and emotional uh, sickness and disease, but he conquered it. The power that conquered your sickness is already inside you right now. The question is, will, will you follow Jesus' example, and will you persuade your heart fully and believe in the resurrection life, believe in the newness of life. See, Jesus was raised up in newness of life. And then one of the aspects of the resurrection that we just, I'm telling you, the church, they not only don't believe it, but I'm telling you, people get crazy mad when I talk about this. And and I've been talking about it for a long time. That is, he totally conquered Satan. Now, this, this is so incredible. You notice that when it talks about this resurrection power that works in him, it says, uh, uh, it says that uh, this power that raised him up, raised him up in verse 21, above all principality, power, might, dominion, and every name, that's a name, not only in this age, but also in that age which is to come. Now, <clears throat> in the book of Colossians, it tells us, it tells us this. It tells us that, uh, that when Jesus went to the cross, I believe it's Colossians 2, says that when Jesus went to the cross, that he took the law, which was against us, and nailed it to the cross. And then it talks about how that, that then he, he stripped principality and power and, and, and how he was triumphant in this Now, the phrase is principality and power. The word, the word power is actually not the word dunamis from which you get power. It's actually the word authority. And the word principality has to do with rank. And so there was a time when evidently the, the, the kingdom of darkness was very well organized and there was rank and right and, and authority that somehow, that, that somehow existed in, in that realm. Well, if Jesus stripped all principality and power, then that means he completely obliterated the the system that works in the kingdom of darkness. And that means that the devil has no rights. He has no authority. It means he has no power. It means that this whole ranking system is is completely gone. His entire kingdom is decimated. I'm not saying that that Satan and the demons don't exist. I'm saying their kingdom was totally decimated. And the Bible and and in that phrase in the book of Colossians where it says that he triumphed over them in it. In the Greek, this is the phrase that he led a triumphal procession. Now, when a when, a kingdom, when two kingdoms were warring, um, there would be celebrations when you'd win the battle, but that celebration was not called a triumphant procession. The triumphant procession was the, was the, was the, was the uh, celebration that took place when the king, the opposing, the enemy king, had been totally conquered and his kingdom had been decimated. And when, many times when they would capture that king, They would bring all of his family and they bring all of his generals before him and they would slaughter all of his family, all of his generals before him. And many times they would burn out or gouge out their eyes right there on the spot because the belief was that whatever the last thing you saw before losing your sight, you would see it, you would continue to see it the rest of your life. And so, so they were saying to that king, There is no one to rescue you. There is no deliverance from this decimation that we have brought to you and to your kingdom. Many times... They would cut off their thumbs, which meant they could not hold a weapon of war. They had no capacity really to fight against you. And sometimes they would cut off their big toes, which meant they barely could stand up. So they couldn't stand to wage war. If they could stand, they couldn't hold a weapon. They were blind and there was no one to come to their aid. And then to add insult to injury, they would, they would take that, that captured king put a rope or a chain around him, and the the winning king would drag him through the streets because he wanted every single person in his in his kingdom. Usually they only did it in the capital city, but they would drag him through the streets. The women and children would come out and they would and they would spit on him and throw rocks and dirt and throw rotten vegetables at him. And see, and see I believe it's Isaiah that talks about this. It says, you know, the day is going to come when we look at him and we say, is this who we are afraid of? Well, I got news for you. The people who... See in their heart what Jesus did at the resurrection and and the power that worked in Him to decimate the kingdom of darkness. Realize, I have that power in me, and I too... Am raised up above all principality and power and might. I too have authority over all principality and might. In other words, the devil cannot hurt me. You see, sadly, most of the church world is going to wait until until the end of time when Satan is thrown into the pit. They're going to wait until then. And go. Oh, you mean this is who I was afraid of? You mean I wasted all of those nights being afraid of the devil? Well, I'll tell you something. You don't have to wait to then. You start looking at what Jesus did at the cross and. You solve that problem now. Listen, this incredible series, Three Days That Changed the World, it goes into all kinds of detail about these about these things, so that you establish your faith now in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And and you know, I just I, I, I I'm am i am stretching this out for Almost two months here because I just want you to get everything that you can. But I still can't cover everything that I cover in, in the series. So check it out. If you're watching this on, uh, uh, on our website, then you can go to impactministries.com. You can you can get the series. Or, you know something, if you don't want to spend that much money, we have made a way for you to be able to get these series where you just become a part of Impact Unlimited. You go to moveyourboundaries.com or go to impactministries.com and, and click on the Impact Unlimited uh, uh, option and you can have access to all of my material and you know what right now you can get that first month for just $1 and have access to this. And then you just spend pennies a days uh, from there on out, being able to read all of my books, my new books, my old books, uh, listen to my series and, and get all of this material. I'm doing everything I can to help you see who you are in Jesus, to help you see what you have in Jesus, to put an end to these fears, to put an end. See, when you're facing the struggle to temptation, you can have the confidence that you are raised up in newness of life already this has no power over me jesus has already won this battle i'm more than a conqueror i'm a joint heir with him if he's won the battle i've won the battle and you can do like what paul said you can just consider so just reckon yourself dead to sin that's where you just consider i'm i'm dead to sin i don't even have to worry about this because i'm raised up in newness of life listen we're going to come back we're going to go some more on this next week you do not want to miss it be sure and subscribe to my youtube channel